From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. With Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 68 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing really well, thank you. I saw on Twitter a little a little bird tweeted to me that you were in um my kingdom absolutely recently, you and Kylie. So how did that go? Yeah, well, I first off, I apologize to anyone out there uh, who who maybe was out there at the same time that wanted to to catch a glimpse of me and didn't. but uh, this was this was kind of a, a quiet type of trip just because it was a hundred and fifty percent just personal vacation uh not no work at all was involved in this one uh which was extremely nice because i don't remember the last time uh i i've really had a theme park vacation besides the one day i went to disneyland with with my dad a couple years back i don't remember the last time i've had like a theme park vacation where there was zero work involved at all. So uh, it was it was really nice to just experience a park without having my backpack on and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also not having to carry a camera around. I will say, one night I did bring in my camera because uh, I, if you've paid attention to the videos that we've posted throughout the years, there's one thing I pride myself on, and that is trying to shoot the fireworks always better than any other site out there and in some circumstances i have done that and uh with together forever i haven't had the opportunity yet to actually shoot those uh as part of a work assignment or anything so i have only before this this uh trip i had only seen them uh, one other time back in april when the last time i was out there so this time i was like okay well one of the nights i i need a good copy of this fireworks show where i'm right right in front of the rope in front of the castle so there's no one blocking my shot and all of that so i have the best video possible of it and so that's that's the only little bit of work i did but then again i don't know if i'm gonna release it to the world but oh wait i want to see it I hey, I'll definitely, I will definitely share it with you. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I haven't decided yet. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to set expectations because to get okay. that fireworks spot, you have to wait like three hours. Oh, and, I know. Uh, we we waited all three hours of it, and it was, it was pretty brutal. So the yeah. that concrete I, and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then and then ten minutes before, someone from some exotic, far off land didn't try to stand like right in front of you. Uh, luckily, my tripod was higher. We did let okay. kids on both sides okay. of my tripod, but then it was the the stress of 
what happens when they get fidgety. Because yeah. that's that's my thing. You know, we we've talked about it on other shows before. With like, oh yeah, if we're if we're doing the parades or fireworks or anything, and kids can get in front of us to so they can see. That's that's always we try to always let them. Mm-hmm. The problem is most of the kids that you let in front, they start getting bored about a couple yes. minutes into it, and then they get fidgety, and eventually they want to get back to where their parents are and start kicking tripods and pushing around <laughs> and so luckily we didn't run into that problem with it but we both of our feet were like just guarding all my tripod legs so they couldn't get anywhere near them but uh yeah it was the whole reason I went out was just uh Kylie is a huge Pixar fan along with me like uh like if for example for our our wedding she walked down the aisle to uh, married life from up is, uh, is, that's uh, very sweet yeah and that's so that's um and did you wear grape soda cap pins we didn't on this one we did have a pixar outfit for most of the days that we were there so no um, i meant on your wedding oh you on our wedding no we did yeah. not yeah you know that would have been that would have been uh smart but no we didn't um where where were you back then so we we were i know we were invited but unfortunately carol was under the weather and we could not come out yes and we were very disappointed no but uh yeah no i it's we did not do that if I could go back in time now, I would. But um, well, yeah, you can re- always do that for an anniversary when you renew you your vows. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. I, I will keep that in mind from now. But yeah, we um, we we just we love Pixar from Toy Story all the way all the way through every new movie that comes out with this, especially Coco. And so mm-hmm. while Pixar Fest, I know was not beloved by many people out there. Um, uh, my wife and I, we just, we fall into the main demographic of what Pixar Fest was going for. We grew up on every single one of these movies and just, we, we cherish most of them, uh, with the exception of, of a couple out there. So, you know, Cars 2, Brave, essentially, but... (laughs) Oh, I love Brave. I... I enjoyed it when it came out, but it just, it does not have that lasting power with oh. me now. Um, same goes with Monsters University. Add that to the list, too. Um, that's, oh. yeah, which is, I agree with you there. And that's what makes me laugh is that there is so much Monsters University merch out there. And it's like, ah, who that thought that was a good movie? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they thought because we have so many universities in Southern California, it would be big. I I have no idea. But uh, I do love that scene in the latest um, trailer for Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. Or Rick and Ralph, where, I I don't know, Penelope is lounging with the princesses in their beanbag chairs. And then Merida is talking. You can't understand a word she says. And then one of them says, she's from the other studio. Yeah. I just thought that was so funny. Oh, it, that was <laughs> that was one of the moments at the D23 Expo it, when they, they played the entire scene for us. That was one of the biggest laughs from that entire scene. <laughs> they still haven't. There, there's it, two more characters 
that were in that scene that we saw at D23 that they still have not revealed in any of the trailers. And I know people are going to lose their minds when oh, really? when they're shown. Yeah, it's it's okay. really, really funny. But uh, no, I, I do. I do love that. And well, I, I like a lot about Brave. I like the music. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the I, I like the design of it. I thought I thought the the visuals in it were absolutely beautiful. It's just the story doesn't have anything that really captures me to watch it over oh, and over okay. again. But hmm. but yeah, regardless, we we love everything Pixar. So I just had to get her out for Pixar Fest. And you have so. you have to bring her out then in the fall when when Disneyland or. Uh, and um, and Disney California Adventure has the Dia de los Muertos um, celebration because they do cocoa now really yeah quite a bit. That's so. that's next on our list. I don't I don't think it's going to happen this year, uh, especially with with this trip. It ended up, <laughs> you know, there there's no such thing as a cheap Disney vacation. So no. you, you can plan it in theory, and then. Uh, and then it just all goes south, and you end up spending way more money than you thought you would at Lamplight Lounge, and uh, getting getting Jack Jack's cookie num nums and angry <laughs> dogs and and all the treats that they've opened up with Pixar Pier. But uh, it was it, it was a great great time Good. out there. So we we really loved everything. Got to basically got to do everything we wanted to do in in Disneyland itself as well as in in Los Angeles in general like hiking up uh behind the Hollywood sign and mm-hmm. we got our we got our in and out fix since it's okay. been a while since did, did you see John Stamos's big D I I didn't I I know roughly where it is but I I did not Oh okay so I I was saying I was like listen just keep your eyes open on that because I know I know John Stamos is in the area and then there's always the jokes that you'll see that sometimes like Ellen just hangs out uh all, all around like Griffith Park near her house and will just randomly talk to strangers <laughs> as they're they're hiking through there so I'm like just keep keep an eye out we never know what we're going to see with that but we we had a great time, so it was just the weather finally calmed down from the wildfires. But uh, the first day that we were there on Thursday, um, I, I did post one picture of us watching the Pixar play parade on the Diz Instagram. It's a, a picture of the up, um, sorry, Inside Out float, and it's you can see the skies are just like. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're reddish tinted in it. That was the only day it was like that, but I've never, I've never experienced that in California. I've seen the pictures of it, but that was my first time and yeah. it was eerie. The Holy Fire is actually not, I think it's about 30 miles or so from Disneyland. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, and 30 miles in these fires is not a lot. Yeah. But, uh, but so yeah, so it was relatively close. Yeah. And, it was yeah. I, one was, of our listeners, you know, Ryan. It was it, it was ten miles from his house. Oh my gosh! So yeah. No, so. I I don't. I it, it it's scary. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine what it's like only being ten miles away. Just especially when you're caught in like the Disneyland bubble and you just see the skies and how they are. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's it's pretty freaky. So I do not. I don't envy 
anyone. Probably the same way no one envies me when when uh, hurricane season kicks yeah. up here. Yeah, our air has been cleaner here, but it's because we've had winds, which does not help the firefighters. Mm-hmm. But um, but uh, but yeah, and we still, like we said last week, of course, our thoughts and prayers go out for, to all those affected by the fires in California and the Western United States, and all the first responders. Or there's been a, a number of deaths as yeah. a result of these fires. Also, everybody who's affected by the floods. Yeah, in other parts of the United States, it's the, it's astonishing. Really, so um, so we are keeping you um, in our hearts, and we hope that that you come oh, out of this safely. I'm, absolutely, so. I feel terrible mm-hmm. with it, especially like even Kylie's got terrible allergies and a, a lot of asthma and stuff, and she was in she was in pain on this trip. Breathing mm-hmm. was very difficult for her, and then of course the very first night we were there, uh, it, it was raining ash in the parks yeah. very lightly mm-hmm. and of course when she's walking she got ash in her eye and Ugh. was dealing with pretty much like a scratched cornea for the next two days oh my with gosh. A swollen eye constantly running and so it, it, it i i don't i don't envy anyone out there just if mm. you're if you're in california and you're affected by it take care of yourselves because it's yeah it, yeah and it, there's fires in oregon um there it's quite extensive. Yeah. So, but uh, since we're we are talking about Disneyland, uh, the the harrowing parts as well as the positive parts, when you you and Kylie were out there on this episode of Connecting with Walt, we're going to take a look at one of my favorite dark rides at Disneyland. Now, Walt Disney used dark ride attractions to retell the stories of his classic films. And the Imagineers present the story to guests by taking them through vignettes reminiscent of a film, you know, using theatrical sets, moving flats, and very simple special effects. Imagineer Ken Anderson developed this genre of Disney storytelling by creating the ultraviolet painting technique used in these attractions. And this style is a combination of black light paint and regular white light paint that can be shown under theatrical lighting and ultraviolet lighting. And with this technique, Anderson revealed different nuances of the art in the dark ride attractions as guests moved through the lighting changes. So now, Craig, what do you believe makes a dark ride attraction a great not-to-be-missed attraction? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. I think the main thing is the simplicity of it. Uh, It's Dark ride attractions have a uniqueness to them that you don't necessarily need to be uh, extremely familiar with the source material Mm -hmm. to still get a great enjoyment out of the actual, the product. Um, And, you know, there, there are some dark rides out there that I think do a much better job translating the story than others. Uh, For example, I think, I do think Pinocchio's daring journey is just brilliant when it comes to to showing the story of Pinocchio, whereas I personally don't feel like Peter Pan's flight does a lot of justice to the story of Peter Pan. It's more like a highlights reel of things that you could see in Peter Pan instead of uh, instead of immersing you in the actual story. And uh, speaking of immersion, that's that's another aspect about 
dark rides that make them so great is that uh, while while they are flat in a sense with a lot of the a lot of like the the props with it they do also they utilize 3d effects as well too uh, and, and and with that it's it, you do feel like you're in these worlds and when you combine that with the unique lighting uh having effects time out at the the exact right times and then the music just hitting in the right moments uh it, it it just makes for these simple simple attractions that are just still impressive no matter how many years they are and and I just, I love all of the dark ride attractions in, in general. They are, I mean, besides Peter Pan, you can usually guarantee them to be uh, on the shorter side of things. And that's in terms of the wait time. And that's that's awesome. And usually they have the payoff in terms of the, the enjoyment of, of taking you into that story. So, um that's that's kind of why I keep going back to them over and over again. And I feel like every single time I do a dark ride, I always notice a new detail that I didn't notice before. And that's there are many attractions out there like that, but some I think we tend to study more than others. Uh, you know, like Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean at this point. I don't think you could tell me that there's something in those attractions, whether it's Disneyland or Walt Disney World, that I haven't seen before because I've inspected them thoroughly. But I know without a doubt, uh, even just on this last trip going to Disneyland, that there were things in some of the dark rides that I just never, never saw before because I was always looking at something else with them because there's so much happening. So, yeah, that's... That's the long answer on why I think dark mm-hmm. rides are 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 so amazing. Yeah, I agree with you, and and I, I, especially the storytelling aspect that, that they do try to tell the story and immerse you in it. That's why I, it's interesting. I always thought that Alice in Wonderland was just a series of vignettes out at Disneyland, but until the latest um, reimagining of it a few years back, where they added just a few little touches to it and a few little effects to give it depth, like in the golden afternoon scene. And it it completely transformed that attraction for me to now it's one of my top ones that it's like a not to be missed attraction for me. And because they added just a few little things that somehow connected all the scenes yeah and and it's funny i agree with you about peter pan and i thought this is like sacrilegious i have never understood the long lines for that attraction i know the fact that you're flying is cool but i thought in storytelling it is the weakest i I, I I feel like it's yeah i feel like it's more like we we see the we, we you know we see the nursery and then it's more like we're on a tour of neverland yep an aerial tour of neverland and and that's it yeah a hundred percent and i agree with you on alice too i Mm -hmm. i I think the first time i did alice in wonderland i i didn't pick up on the storytelling aspect issues as much as as you did but then again i didn't i haven't been going on it for years i i only got to experience it maybe three times before it it went through its transformation for Disneyland's 60th anniversary. Uh, but 
then when I watched back the videos and did like side by side videos on it uh, from from the old one to the new one, I was just like flabbergasted. I knew how much they changed, but I didn't realize how much it did have an impact on the entire attraction as a whole and made it more complete. And it's it's one of those ones I I, I can't justify when Alice is a 45 minute uh, line. I can't justify waiting in it, but I will I will choose that as a last ride mm-hmm. of the night or or early in the morning when the park first opens up because yeah. it is it is spectacularly done. But uh, you know, it, I've waited 30 minutes for it. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, but then there's the attraction that's beloved, and I enjoy it too. And it does not tell the story of the film, and that's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yes, and I mean there's like. Except that he went on a wild ride and there's some of the characters. That has nothing to do with the film. No, absolutely and, not. <laughs> and so, but it's a very successful dark ride. Yeah, almost in the same way as like Splash Mountain. While it has a, a couple a couple moments that are very reminiscent of the film, it's its own. It's its own thing, and mm-hmm. you know that's that's kind of what makes both of those so awesome is that they are able to stand on their own just mm-hmm. using the characters but i yeah i mr toad is just is just always so fun despite the fact that there is zero story beyond you're getting in a car and driving around and eventually end up in hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so so yeah so and and it's interesting you brought up Pinocchio's Daring Journey. That that is the one we're talking about, and in this episode because it is celebrating its thirty fifth anniversary, yeah. and and we're going to talk about, you know, we both really like this attraction, but it, it's it's really not one of the beloved dark ride attractions. Yeah, um, you know, th- it opened at Tokyo Disneyland on April fifteenth, nineteen eighty three, and at Disneyland Anaheim on May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three. So both of those attractions are celebrating their thirty fifth anniversary this year, which is why we're talking about and it. I know that we talked about it before because mm-hmm. you've been planning this one at some point in time mm-hmm. uh, for us to do. And but of course, my memory, I, I have like about a 30 second memory. And so mm-hmm. when when Kylie and I were riding Pinocchio this past time, I was like, huh, it's it, 83 was when Fantasyland was redone. So this it's an anniversary year for mm-hmm. Pinocchio. And I was like, that's, it's kind of sad that more people aren't celebrating 35 years. But I, I think it also takes people by surprise to find out that it's only 35 years old because it was so well done that it feels like it could have been there since the park opened. Yeah. Yeah, now, now both attractions are based, of course, on Walt Disney's 1940 animated feature film, Pinocchio. Both the attraction and the film have their roots with the 1883 publication of The Adventures of Pinocchio, written by Carlo Collodi, which Walt Disney adapted into his second animated feature film. Now, the problem... Have you ever read the book, the story... 
Craig? I actually haven't. No, not at all. Yeah. So I've seen yeah. other adaptations of the story of Pinocchio. Um, most well, of like them. that wonderful musical with Drew Carey. <laughs> I, I've seen that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I sat through the Jonathan Taylor Thomas one as well, too. Uh, so I, I've seen some really bad versions of Pinocchio, mm-hmm. but I haven't read. I haven't read the book. Yeah. Well, the problem with the Pinocchio of the book is that he's somewhat unlovable, and he squashes his cricket conscience with a hammer uh, very early on in the story. And so the setting of the story is in the Tuscan area of Italy, and in the original serialized version of the story, because originally it was it was published as, as many stories were at that time, like Dickens' stories and yeah. all that, they were in serialized forms, over, and it was over a, a couple of years. Um, so in the original version, uh, Pinocchio dies by hanging oh. as a result of his foolish actions at the end of chapter 15. But at the request of his editor, Collodi um, added chapter 16 through 36, in which the fairy with turquoise hair, um, it, of course, Walt Disney in the film calls her the blue fairy, mm-hmm. uh, she rescues Pinocchio and eventually transforms him into a real boy when he acquires a deeper understanding of himself and a compassion for others. So this then made the story more, you know, palatable for children and families. Um, In the second half of the book, the maternal figure of the turquoise-haired fairy is the dominant character versus the paternal figure of Geppetto in the first half of the book. Hmm. Now, in contrast to the book, Walt turned Pinocchio into a character audiences could care about and identify with. He's basically a little boy who just, you know, sort of looks a little wooden. And and the plot of the film still tells the story of an old woodcarver named Geppetto who carves a wooden puppet named Pinocchio. That that was in the original book. Uh, The puppet is brought to life by the Blue Fairy who tells Pinocchio that he can become a real boy if he proves himself to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. And so Pinocchio's efforts to become a real boy involve encounters with a host of unscrupulous and conniving characters, um, some of which are from the original book. Um, Pinocchio is considered groundbreaking achievement in its uh, effects animation, um, giving realistic movement to vehicles, um, machinery, and natural elements such as rain, lightning, smoke, shadows, and water. Uh, The film was released to theaters by RKO Radio Pictures on February 7th, 1940. And although it became the first animated feature to win a competitive Academy Award, it won two for Best Music, Original Score, and for Best Music, Original Song for When You Wish Upon a Star, it was a box office failure when it was first released. And it finally made a profit in its 1945 reissue, and is considered one of the greatest animated films ever made. In 1994, Pinocchio was added to the United States National Film Registry for being deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And I've said before, out of the classic films, Disney films, animated films, this is my favorite. Yeah, and it's, it's right up there. For me, too. I always end up going back and forth on it. I I think Pinocchio is my favorite. Uh, Meanwhile, Dumbo is my favorite character, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I, I love it. I I definitely didn't appreciate it when I was a child as much as I do now. And and I think that is part of it. That's that is 
a lot of people's uh, takeaway from it. It's very dark for kids Mm -hmm. to enjoy. But uh, as an adult, you're able to start, you're you're able to not like get wrapped up in how dark it is and start seeing it for, for what it is. And that's just a a blend of a, a a good story with really beautiful animation and just one of my favorite scores of all time. Plus, plus all the songs in it as well too. It's just, it's a really, really amazing movie, and I oh, yeah. Who, who doesn't just who doesn't just get a warm feeling every time they hear "When You Wish Upon a Star"? It's oh, yeah. you're not human if you don't. <laughs> well, and and th- th- this film is just lavish yeah. in its animation, its lighting, it, its details, which is why Walt had to find another way of creating animated films because it was so expensive to keep up this level of detail that that he had in Snow White and Pinocchio. And but when you think that everything was drawn by hand and they didn't have computers and the Xerox machine and things like that, uh, I you know, it's just it's just incredible. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing feat. It's Mm -hmm. it's just I mean, eventually, eventually, hopefully, we'll get back to hand-drawn animation, and and people will start appreciating it more again. But uh, it's it it really is just amazing. Mm-hmm. I look forward in our Disney um, film, you know, series that we're doing when we get to Pinocchio. That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be because because I think one of the reasons too it didn't do well at first is that though Europe was heading into war yeah i, I mean the, the the world was in a really dark place nobody knew nobody knew what was in the future i mean we never do but i mean we didn't we really didn't know where you know what was going to happen to some of these countries and, and yeah. to the people and um i think that i think that had something to do with um the the film not doing well because of the tone of the film and it was a morality play basically so oh yeah no no, no. Yeah. 1939 1940 that was that was a that was a tough time and mm-hmm. you know then 41 comes along and things just get even more complicated till the end of the war yeah yeah and and Walt was losing the he had lost the overseas box office yeah. so that that hit him hard too yeah now now you may be surprised to hear that a pinocchio attraction was first proposed for disneyland back in 1976 as part of a disneyland long-range master plan that was designed to determine what new attractions and support facilities will be required for park expansion after the completion of space mountain Now, these changes would be rolled out in six phases, with phase one beginning in the fall of 1978 and phase six being completed in the spring of 2000. Now, phase one involved the reimagining of Frontierland to be renamed Westernland and and Fantasyland. And according to the master plan, the plans for reimagining of Fantasyland included reworking the West End of Fantasyland, a marquee-type attraction similar to Dumbo or the Rocket Jets, possibly with a Mary Poppins theme would be added where the Fantasy One food stand is presently located. This would serve to set the area off as a 
a new experience and create interest is a visual and physical, physically exciting attraction. In addition, a new dark ride attraction, possibly with a poo theme with 900 per hour capacity, could be added near Casey Jr. The major attraction of the reworked area would would a thrill sh- be a thrill show attraction of 2,600 per hour capacity. This could be developed around Mary Poppins and include a major merchandise complex at the exit. The Pinocchio attraction would round out the area fitting into what is now the Mickey Mouse Theater with 1,000 per hour capacity. So the Pinocchio attraction originally planned in the 1970s intended for guests to ride in cars designed to resemble Geppetto's wood-carved toys. So when the 1976 master plan was abandoned after the Imagineers decided the plan lacked creativity and would prove to not be a good return on investment, what had been built for the Pinocchio attraction was put in storage until it was refreshed for the opening of Tokyo Disneyland in 1983. So a reimagined Fantasyland at Disneyland Anaheim did come true, as you mentioned, Craig, on May 25th, 1983. And I talk more about this in my series, 60 Years of Disneyland, which you can find in the archives for our Disneyland show. Now, Disneyland's new Fantasyland brings the attraction stories to life through its architecture, landscaping, and scenic design. And it is easy to see the connection between the exterior of each attraction and the experience inside. I was always surprised that when they built uh, Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom, they still went with the same um, exteriors as Disneyland's Fantasyland because those were built mainly because the budget was starting to run thin and they were seen as temporary facades. Yeah, and and they should be temporary here in... Walt Disney World as well, too, but, uh, you know, that that whole style is still just sticking around, but, um, yeah, no, that's, I, you know, we, we've talked about attractions that, that never happened before in the past, too. I didn't, I don't think in any of them I ever knew that Pinocchio was supposed to happen years before it mm-hmm. did. Well, and even a Winnie the Pooh attraction. Yeah. That early. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you guys got poo, and eventually the cost that it came with, and, um, yeah. Well, look at the cost of both parks. Yeah. God, you lost a a wonderful version of Mr. Toad, and, yeah, and we lost the Country Bears. Yeah, and it's very true, and this was the first time that I rode your your Winnie the Pooh attraction where it really dawned on me like just how not well put together it was. But, uh, and I, and I started noticing the, the details and, um, that, that we've been talking about that you can see inside Winnie the Pooh, uh, Mm -hmm. that, that were, that just aren't, aren't very good. But, um, yeah, so that that happened eventually, but I, I'm blown away by Pinocchio. How much was actually started to put together? Mm-hmm. Do you know? And when they the, started, de- definitely the ride vehicles. Okay, and the uh, at least some of them anyway. Yeah. I mean, the ride vehicles and some of the flats. Okay, and things were they started on. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Now, Pinocchio's Daring Journey was added as part of the new Fantasyland, replacing the Fantasyland Theater, which was formerly the Mickey Mouse Club Theater. Although it is the newest of the Fantasyland Dark Ride attractions, it received the same attention in storytelling techniques established by Ken Anderson for the original Fantasyland attractions. Um, the fanciful exterior woodwork of the attraction building is reminiscent of the craftsmanship of Geppetto's creations in his workshop. The architectural detailing of the entry queue harkens to the Italian Alpine region where the film is set. Now, although it shares most of the same technology and storytelling methods as the other Fantasyland Dark Rides, Walt Disney was never involved in this attraction's creation, as it opened nearly three decades after the others. It was designed to copy the key scenes of the film, and both the attraction model and the full scale show scenery so show scenery had to be painted under blacklight conditions and the blacklight paint gives off an eerie luminescence that provides the illusion of depth on simple flat surfaces so in a blacklight attraction the entire set is flooded with the same level of ultraviolet light so every shadow and lighting change on the set must be painted onto the surface. So the trick with a black light attraction is to decide what needs to be dimensional and what can be flat. So during construction, there were times when the painters had to touch a set or a flat in order to determine if it was two-dimensional or three-dimensional. So there are 32 animated characters and 29 unique props throughout the attraction. So let's take a ride through Pinocchio's Daring Journey. So above the entrance, there is a small figure of Pinocchio on a stage, and passing beneath the attraction sign, we enter the queue. And on a wall is a sign advertising the Great Stromboli Marionette Show, starring Pinocchio. Like the other Fantasyland attractions, there is a large mural with a scene of Pinocchio meeting Honest John and Gideon, which serves as the opening scene of the attraction because it is that meeting that launches Pinocchio on the daring journey within the attraction. And the loading station is designed to look like a street in Pinocchio's village. We board a ride vehicle designed to look like a wooden cart with carvings of Cleo, Figaro, and Jiminy Cricket on the sides. The attraction takes us through Stromboli's puppet theater featuring Pinocchio dancing and singing with a pair of marionettes as part of Stromboli's puppet show, singing Hi Diddly Dee, an actor's life for me. We then travel back a stage where Pinocchio is being kept in a birdcage. The evil Stromboli says, you are working for me. And Jiminy Cricket pops up and warns us to watch out as Stromboli tries to catch the ride vehicle we're in, in a cage. Jiminy Cricket leads us down an alley to safety. And we then go to Pleasure Island, which is filled with boys enjoying carnival rides, whilst fiber optic fireworks explode above us. Now check out the Pleasure Island mural. Did you spot the hidden Mickey? Uh, so take a look at the entryway gates to Pleasure Island. At the end of this scene, we pass Honest John the Fox and his buddy Gideon the Cat, who had persuaded Pinocchio to run away and join the actor's life with Stromboli. Next, we head into a pool hall, and here are the hee-haws of donkeys, where Pinocchio's new friend Lampwick is transforming into a donkey. 
Now, Pinocchio's Daring Journey is the first attraction in Disneyland to use holographic material. During this scene in Pleasure Island, when Pinocchio and his friend turn into donkeys, Lampwick is holding a mirror. The mirror is the holographic part. Lampwick looks like a boy in the mirror, but when he turns towards you, he is a donkey. It's a cool effect. Yeah, yeah, and it very is. very frightening, yeah. too. So, yeah. yeah, Just it's like that cool. scene in the movie is. Uh-huh. Yeah. We are now outside in the darkest reaches of Pleasure Island, and the coachman is cracking his whip and caging the other boys who have already become donkeys so they can be shipped off to the salt mines. The coachman also tries to trap us in a crate. And at the same time, Pinocchio has begun transforming into a donkey when Jiminy Cricket pops up yet again, directing our escape towards the sea. Seagulls are flying overhead when Monstro the Whale suddenly rises up in our path and attempts to swallow us and our ride vehicle. Now, after a quick turn, we see Geppetto holding a lantern, searching for Pinocchio. We then enter Pinocchio Village, which I always thought, what a uncreative name for where they live, <laughs> where, the, where the wishing star can be seen in the sky. Now, inside Geppetto's workshop, the blue fairy appears beside Geppetto and turns Pinocchio into a real boy, then disappears, leaving a pile of fiber optic fairy dust on the floor. Now, the Blue Fairy's disappearance in this scene uses the same Pepper Ghost technology found in the Haunted Mansion, and the illusion uses a full-size animatronic that is reflected on a glass, and the Blue Fairy seems to disappear when the lighting fades. And, and, if, and if you're ever really lucky, because I break down in this attraction all the time, and the lights go up, you can see the, um, how it's set up. Yeah, I know you've you told me about it before. The last time that you got a uh, you got evacuated off and you got to see it really well. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I want to get that chance one day. I I love this effect. I think this pepper ghost effect is is better than anything in the haunted mansion with that mm-hmm. same style. I, I I am blown away by this every single time I get to this scene. It is just so perfect. It it is. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most. I think it's one of the most iconic scenes in any Disney attraction ever. It is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you're right. They pull it off so beautifully. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's magical. Yeah, the really. the timing of it. It's with the the sound effects and the fade away while your car is moving. It's it just it gives you the perfect amount of time to see everything that's happening with it, but also not enough time to dissect how they're doing it and how they're pulling off the effect. And that's mm-hmm. just, it, it's just, everything is timed so perfectly. That's why yeah. it's, it's so well done. Yeah. And when I, when I, when it went one on one, when I got to walk through and see that effect, I got to walk through the final scene, Geppetto's workshop. We'll talk yeah. about it in a moment. Oh gosh, just to see, to really look at the level of detail they put into that scene with all the cuckoo clocks and all that. That was wonderful. I walked very slowly. Yeah. I, I will say that we, we didn't go one on one inside Pinocchio's Daring Journey on this last trip, but we were backed up in uh inside the workshop and so i did get to uh do like you said and take a little bit of an extra look at all of the the details inside there the cuckoo clocks the carvings Mm -hmm. everything and it's 
It is magnificent. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I always get backed up in like Snow White's uh, scary adventures, and that's not as exciting when you no. get to the final no. scene as compared to this. So it's it counts yourself lucky if you get the chance to be stuck yeah. in this scene. Definitely, yeah. Now, just like the film, uh, Pinocchio's daring journey teaches us that we should make good decisions and always tell the truth. The Blue Fairy and Jiminy Cricket help guide Pinocchio on his journey, and Jiminy Cricket guides us on our journeys through this attraction. Now, also opening at the same time as Pinocchio's Daring Journey was an adjacent European-inspired restaurant, known then as the Village Inn, then the Village House, and now the Red Rose Tavern. The restaurant originally served pizza and burgers. Part of judging the success of a Disneyland attraction is the length of the queue. And Pinocchio's Daring Journey rarely has much of a line. Whilst the film's story, characters, and songs have become closely identified with the Walt Disney Company and the magic found in the theme parks, the attraction has not come close to the same timeless quality as the other Fantasyland dark ride attractions at Disneyland. And I don't understand that because... uh, I, th- uh, this is a not this is a must do attraction for me too. Yeah. When I go there, and I, as you said earlier, Craig, I I think they tell the story very very well. There's some wonderful effects in there, both at pleasure the Pleasure Island scene, and and then the um, Blue Fairy scene at the end. Uh, the 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 part where there you know the the coachman is is boxing up creating up all the donkey boys that's that's a scary scene it's right up there with with the scary forest some of the scary scenes in snow white's scary adventures and so i i don't understand why folks don't um enjoy this attraction as much as the other dark ride attractions i i mean at least it has a longer line than winnie the pooh ever has so it's got that going for it but (laughs) uh yeah no i i I, i've always been trying to figure this out i can't put my finger on what it is is it is uh, i mean with peter pan flight i think it is the uniqueness of of the ride vehicle and the fact that I think younger audiences in general are just attracted to Peter Pan more. It's, it's a movie that I know I was obsessed with as a kid that as I've gotten older, I don't quite have the fondness for it as I, as I once did. And at times I've, I've put it on and I've had to turn it off because it just, it's not as, is engaging and, and captivating as it used to be for me, um, but it, but regardless, with that, I think I think Peter Pan's flight is is just it's exactly what kids are looking for. They think they're flying. It's they love Peter Pan. That's why that hits big. With with Snow White, you have the princess aspect into it, mm-hmm. even though she's not not a big part of it. Uh, it's still it's still her scary adventures. It's got Snow White right in the title, and um, I, I think it's even at, with something like Snow White. That attraction starts before you get inside, seeing the Queen up above, opening up the curtains, and having the the golden apple out front, and then the the actual the amazing set inside the queue before it gets to all the down and back. Something that Pinocchio lacks. 
not mm-hmm. having that that in-depth theming as part of the queue. Um, and, you know, Alice that has no queue or anything, but it's it, it's just really well done, and it's having the double stories as well as as well as that whole outdoor portion it just grabs your eye seeing that right away Uh, and you have the garden out there the garden area that they added later on yeah i know and and people who don't like alice still enjoy this attraction and they get drawn to it because of all those aspects of it and mr toad it's i if anything of of all the attractions in there if people didn't like mr toad i would understand that the most because it doesn't follow the the movie like we said and mr toad's not really a beloved character he's a cult character but not not just loved by everyone um whereas i would guess yeah, I would guess the majority of the people that ride that attraction have probably never seen the short yeah. that it's based on. I agree, and I don't know if it comes from like the the fact that you have the steering wheel on your car, uh, that maybe that's part of it. It's it's your first idea of your driving, or if it's for some people now, I think it does get to the point where people just think they're supposed to like Mister Toad's Wild Ride because it's it is so popular and so many. Uh, in so many realms out there but um but with pinocchio that's it just i i think that's might might be where it comes in that it's it just while people love jiminy cricket they love when you wish upon a star it's not people don't enjoy the character of pinocchio as much Mm -hmm. um but then again i then i also get uh thrown off completely when you do catch honest john and gideon the, the actual characters walking around Disneyland and people just swarm after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that shows that Pinocchio does have a, a level of popularity. So I, I I don't know. It's maybe it's efficiency. Maybe it's the ride vehicles that they they get so many people on them and they're they're quick moving. Maybe that has to deal with the line. But um, in I, I think kind of as we've said I. This is one of my favorites. I would actually say it for me. It's Alice in Wonderland, and then Pinocchio's Daring Journey mm-hmm. are yeah. I would agree with two. that. Yeah, yeah, and, I would agree with that. And then Snow White is my third, probably yep. in Fantasyland. Yeah, yep, that for me. And then mm-hmm. uh, and then Mr. Toad fourth, and Peter Pan's Flight fifth, and mm-hmm. jumping out to Critter Country is. Bear, but he's not he's not on my list but I, only, I just my granddaughter likes him so that's why i go on him yeah but no i that's that's kind of my level with the the dark rides in fantasy land in particular and i pinocchio just seems fresh to me every mm-hmm. time and uh i I, I just I always adore doing this. It's it's one of the attractions that I end up riding multiple times. Not mm-hmm. not just because we don't have it in Walt Disney World, but just because I, I I do love how it tells the story so well, and it's got the iconic music. It's got the scary moments, and it was even when I was in Paris, the fact that I got to do uh, mm-hmm. the French version of it, where there was no english at all in it just all all french like i i loved how that translated mm-hmm. into it too did did you do it when you were in tokyo yes i did yeah. and there there are some differences in okay. layout and uh and 
the figures, but otherwise it's pretty much the same. Yeah. And the ride vehicles are different. Yeah. So, but it's but. I, I don't. It just it's been translated well in the mm-hmm. other parks, at least for for me with Disneyland Paris with what you're saying in Tokyo, and then you have the classic one we know and love in in Disneyland. It's just it really is a remarkable attraction and like i said before i i believe personally it's so well done that if if you told me that it was from the 50s and in those first years of disneyland that i i would have believed it i did think that when i first started going to disneyland especially for work i thought it was it was an old classic disneyland Mm -hmm. dark ride the first time i found out that it was 83 i was just taken taken aback completely because it is just designed so classically but mm-hmm. i it i don't want you to drive up the weights for all the people out there so if you don't <laughs> yeah. like it you don't have to do it just mm-hmm. do it enough that we never have to fear losing it as an attraction there because uh, you know i get nervous with red rose tavern keeping that name right now and not moving it back to like the village house or anything. Uh, the last thing I would ever want is for them to go do something crazy, like make a Beauty and the Beast dark ride. There, there have been rumors, all kinds of rumors. Yeah, I about redoing that side of Fantasyland. You would like the Tokyo version too because it's all in Japanese. Yeah, I, I get a kick out of that stuff. Yeah. So if so, it if you've not ridden this attraction in a while or you've never ridden it. For its 35th anniversary, get on Pinocchio, and uh, and especially after you've heard us talking about it, and see what you think. It may become one of your favorite attractions as well. Yes. Well, you know, at, at about this time, we have our our this week in Disney history quiz, and we, you know, we haven't. We haven't had it in a little while because we, you know, we, you know, Craig and I have just been so busy. We haven't been able to have a listener back on the show. Well, we didn't want to keep d- delaying having some form of the the history quiz. So we don't have anyone on this week to challenge, you know, Craig's awesomeness. Mm-hmm. But but I I have a version of this week in Disney history quiz for Craig. So I'm just going to see how he does this week with it. I'm nervous. I know. Yeah, it's a, it's based on a concept of Craig's, but I, I, I just I just tweaked it a bit. Yeah. So anyway, so this is for uh, the week of August 18th. So, um, so Craig, starting with on, and I don't. There are no rules here. It's just you know. That's it. It's just so, my personal pride in this case. <laughs> yes, that's right. So for August 18th, the Mickey Mouse cartoon short, The Chain Gang, was completed on August 18th, 1930. And as we've pointed out on previous episodes of Connecting with Walt, Mickey and Minnie Mouse made their official film debuts in Steamboat Willie and Donald Duck in The Wise Little Hen. Another member of the classic Fab Five, Disney Fab Five, made their film debut in The Chain Gang. So which one of the remaining two of the classic Fab Five Mm. made their film debut in The Chain Gang? Um, I could be completely wrong on this. What was the year again? 
It is August 18th, 1930. Okay. I, hmm. I, my initial thought on it was Pluto. Just because okay. I, I think that I, I don't re- I remember Pluto. I remember Pluto for sure in certain earlier shorts. I don't remember Goofy up until later. So I'm going to go with Pluto. And you are correct. It's the debut of Pluto, though he is not yet named. And this film will be released on September 5th. So mm. very good. There you go. Okay. All right. So let's move yet. on. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Let's see how you do with August 19th. Now, Craig, you, you're familiar with the Salem Witch Trials of 1692, correct? Uh, not as much as I should be, but I've mm-hmm. been to Salem, Massachusetts. Well, well, there you go. And you know there are witches. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is it true that an ancestor of Walt Disney himself, the Reverend George Burroughs, was accused of witchcraft and put to death on August 19th, 1692? I'm, I, I, well, this would have never really crossed my mind uh, (laughs) before, but I'm going to say true just because it's, I feel like you wouldn't have chose it if it wasn't. Yeah, or I was desperate (laughs) because (laughs) nothing happened on August 18th or 19th, 19th. It is true, though. The Reverend George Burroughs is an ancestor of Walt Disney, and he's hanged in Massachusetts as the Salem Rich Trials of 1692 just rage on. Uh, Walt Disney, through his maternal lines, is a descendant of this minister, who, along with George Jacobs Sr., John Proctor, John Willard, and Martha Allen Carrier, are wrongfully put to death on this day. Now, in a touch of irony, Burroughs had been the minister at Salem Village from 1681 to 1683 and had made several enemies there. In particular, the Putnam family, who accused him of witchcraft. Huh, that is insane. But I guess now we can say that, uh, you know, it's it gives Hocus Pocus a little bit extra clout now, dealing with witches and, mm-hmm. and that entire Salem, Massachusetts area. It, it has a second Disney connection now besides that, that, that we can appreciate. But wow, that's... Isn't that wild? I can't believe I haven't read that anywhere else before. Look at that. That's why you listen to this show. Yeah. Or (laughs) everyone out there is like yelling, like, how could you not have known that before? (laughs) I've I've known that since I was growing up. (laughs) Well, maybe if you lived in Salem. (laughs) True. Anyway, I wonder if there's a a plaque somewhere that says an ancestor of Walt Disney was hung here. I don't know, but I have seen the uh, bewitched statue that they have there. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> That's just as historic, I suppose. Yeah, if, if, you know, maybe not for this show, but in some aspects, almost more historical in a way. <laughs> Carol's grandmother did not allow them to watch, uh, to watch Bewitched because, it w- because uh, there were witches on the show. No, I I grew up with people that weren't allowed to to read or watch Harry Potter. 
because of the witchcraft and wizardry. Um, so it's I still I, to I, this day. <laughs> I had I had students whose parents didn't allow them yeah. to to read it. Yeah. Oh, anyway, August twentieth. The 23rd president of the United States is born on a farm in North Bend, Hamilton County, Ohio. He is one of the few presidents to have a Disney song written about him. Craig, one of your favorite films, 1968's The One and Only Genuine Original Family Band, features a Sherman Brothers song about this president. Who is he? Oh, um, well, I was, <laughs> okay, I'll have to admit, because I don't know off the top <laughs> of my head, so as soon as you said 23rd president, I started running through my uh, Washington, Rock. Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, <laughs> Adams, Jackson, Van Buren, and Harrison, Tyler, Polk, and Taylor, Fillmore, Pearson, Buchanan, Lincoln, Johnson, Grant, and Hayes, and that's where I always start forgetting so that kind of leaves me out of luck in this. Um, so now I'm just trying to use my resources as an Ohio boy and trying to remember which presidents came from Ohio. And uh, that's also not helping. So um, hmm. what about what about Taft? Taft? No, no, no. not Taft. Garfield? The no, no, no. So that would be a dark song of Garfield. Um, Assassination the, is fun, right? <laughs> uh, the 1968 film, the one and only genuine original family band, features a Sherman Brothers song, Oh, Benjamin Harrison. Yeah. yeah. And you can visit President Harrison and all the U.S. chief executives at the Magic Kingdom's Hall of Presidents. If I could have kept guessing, I would have got there. Yeah, yeah. So I know we have a couple listeners who were with me on my ABD trip to China who, um, that they know this film. They love this film. They're going to post something on Twitter that you didn't know this. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm sure Frank is um, already on the keyboard. Um, August, (laughs) August 21st. On August 21st, 1995, a futuristic attraction closed at Disneyland's Tomorrowland, which I have complained about many times on this show. What attraction closed? You can you complained about the attraction itself or complained that the attraction closed? That it closed. I have lamented its loss. <laughs> the only thing that I can think of that you've truly lamented is well there's two attractions obviously you lamented when carousel of progress went away but i have a feeling that it's the people mover you are correct yeah the people mover sponsored by goodyear closed at disneyland transporting guests on a grand circle tour above tomorrowland since july 1967 is part of walt disney's new tomorrowland the people mover will be replaced by a faster new attraction called rocket rods on may 22nd 1998 and it had an even faster exit (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm jealous. When I was out in California, I didn't get time to go to that uh, That's From Disneyland pop-up exhibit because they had a Rocket Rods car yeah, on display yeah. there. The cars were very cool. 
but yeah, I, that was I remember the best them you vividly, mm-hmm. but couldn't justify waiting three hours in a line for that that kept breaking down when we only had one day at Disneyland in 1999. Yeah, yeah, that was one of just a couple attractions, you know, ride attractions that I've never been on in that park. Mm-hmm. August 22nd on August 22nd 1929 Walt Disney releases his first Silly Symphony cartoon what is the name of the cartoon oh my gosh Why? I feel like we've already had this one before um, the first one was mm-hmm. the first one Flowers and Trees no that was no. the first color one that's right shoot you want to give it another try? You know this. You know this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's 11.09 my time right now. I've been up since like 7 a.m. Oh, my brain's please. not all there. I've been up um, since 3.30. <laughs> okay, so we've been up the same amount of time. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. Okay. Why am I not? Why is it not coming to me right now? Just say it before okay. I embarrass the myself silly more. Sim- the Silly Symphony cartoon, The Skeleton Dance, oh, is released. Golly. Produced and directed by Walt Disney, it is the very first of the Silly Symphony series. The short is animated primarily by Ub Iwerks, along with Wilfred Jackson and a very young Les Clark, who will go on to become one of Walt's nine old men. In 1994, The Skeleton Dance is voted number 18 of the 50 greatest cartoons of all time by members of the animation field. I don't know who the members were, but um, they voted at number 18. See, sometimes I just need multiple choice. <laughs> I love I love the skeleton dance. I do. You too. know, it is it is timeless and the animation stands up. The quality oh, yeah. of the animation stands up to anything yeah. they do today. No, it it so. always creeped me out when uh in the one of my favorite things watching while I was growing up, of course, was uh the Mickey's Halloween tree. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, uh-huh. special and like they had the colorized version of the skeleton dance and in, in the oh, intro blah. with that and it always it always creeped me out but that's I, I still put that on YouTube every now and then that I was always one of my favorites Halloween I always watch this and and then of course the um you know uh, the the headless horseman those are yeah, the Legend two I always watch yeah Legend of Sleepy Hollow I always watch those two. So. Yeah, they're both fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move. You're doing very well, though, overall with this. Yeah. Um, let's move on to August 23rd. Marceline Missouri honors the memory of Walt Disney with a ceremony on August 23rd, 2004, renaming the Marceline Post Office. What name did they give their post office? Oh, wow. Um... Uh, maybe this is a bit on the nose. I, I genuinely don't know this. Even if you gave me multiple choice, I would not probably be able to get this. I'm going to say the the Walt Disney Post Office? Absolutely. You got it. They <laughs> they honored the memory of Walt Disney. The ceremony renaming the Marceline Post Office as the Walt Disney Post Office Building. August 23rd is also Walt Disney Day in the state of Missouri. So we, our listeners in Missouri, tell us what, what, what do they do in Missouri on Walt Disney Day? I'd love yeah, to know. Please. Post photos 
I mean, I want to see what goes on there. Yeah, I'm <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. So, all right, August twenty fourth. I think this is yeah, this is our last one. Mm-hmm. Walt Disney's sixth animated feature had its world premiere on August twenty fourth, nineteen forty two. It includes four animated segments titled Lake Titicaca. I remember how I would giggle in that in grammar school. Pedro. El Gaucho Goofy and uh, uh, Aquarela do Brazil. It, it always sounds good in my head when yeah. I try to pronounce it. <laughs> what is the name of this film? Oh, of course it's Saludos Amigos. Of course. Yep. It had its and it had its world premiere in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. It's set in Latin America. The film is made up of four different animated segments featuring Donald Duck, Goofy, and Jose Carioca. It also includes live action segments showing members of the Disney staff touring South America and recording their impressions and sketches, which to me is is one of the coolest things of this film. Yeah. The film's U.S. release the following February will make it the first Disney animated feature to be shown in South America before it is screened in the United States. Craig, you did very well. I did. Going Just solo here. I missed uh, President Harrison. Harrison yeah. and yeah. Benjamin um, Harrison. Look at that. I yeah. got him wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and then... Um, Skeleton Dance, which I, yeah. it, again, if I would have had multiple choice, I would have came to me. Just not on my head tonight, but mm-hmm. no, I did good. So yeah, now I yeah. kind of want to go watch Saludos Amigos. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, I know. And El Gaucho. So, yeah. Or, or no, um, well, no, El Grupo. El Grupo. Yeah, it is yeah. getting late. <laughs> 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 what good thing we're at the end. I know, really. Finally, I want a, a, cu- a couple of thank yous. I want to thank everybody for all their well wishes for my lovely research assistant and wife, Carol Bowling. She is still in the hospital with no uh, no discharge date in sight yet. But uh, definitely your prayers and pixie dust and positive thoughts are paying off. We are seeing measured improvement. So we, we are very happy about that. And I want to thank everybody for all the birthday wishes that you sent my way on August 12th. It was, um, there were a lot, and I appreciate it, and uh, th- there's no way I could answer everybody individually, but thank you. That Happy was very birthday. kind of you to take a, thank you. I, I appreciate everybody taking a moment out to um, send me a, a message or, or a cute little meme or something like that. So, so many books, films, articles, interviews, and lectures were sourced for this episode of Connecting with Walt. Um, for books, The Imagineering Field Guide to Disneyland by the Imagineers. Some articles that I came across that were helpful. Another Kingdom That Never Came. Disneyland Expansion Plan circa 1976 by Jim Hill, Making Dreams Come True by Robert Rowe, a Disneyland Ride Review, Pinocchio's Daring Journey is a Little Wooden by Mark Edis for the Orange County Register, and the Disney Wiki website was also very helpful. So, Craig, where can our listeners find you on the Dis Unplugged network of shows? You can find me on the Walt Disney World edition, the Universal edition, the best and worst of Walt Disney World, the Dis Daily Fix, and as always uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Teleclaster. 
What about you, Michael? Well, you can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com, Twitter at mbowling121, Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling, Instagram, Michael Bowling that is. And of course, you can connect with both me and Craig at our official Connecting with Walt Twitter page at Connecting at Connect Walt. So if you'd like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com. Look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show, leave some positive reviews and ratings. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a man, Walt Disney and his brother Roy. Roy.